Hello, welcome everybody. SF Live episode 163. It's Monday. Happy Monday. Also means Expert Monday. I'm joined by James Quantas. He's editor and publisher of Resource Opportunities. He'll be joining us in a few short seconds. But before we get started, let me remind you of a couple of things. First, we're hosting session eight this coming Wednesday, April 14th, and uh, session eight of SF Online, of course, which is our monthly mini conference series. We've got two fantastic keynote speakers, Lynn Alden and Tavi Costa. They're going to give us a really good overview of the macroeconomic environment. What does monetary supply growth do to inflation rates? What does it do to the gold price? What does it do to our investments? And as you can see on the screen, we've got nine fantastic companies joining us as well. I'm really excited about those because I think those companies will be for performing quite well over the summer and into the fall. So I'm really excited to get more detail on their equity stories. Don't forget to register, storefinancial.com slash events. And uh, we'll see you all Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific or 3 p.m. German time. Now, with that out of the way, let me do the last part. And that's uh, to remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and Twitter channels, of course. We do all our interviews live. So if you turn on the bell notification as well, you'll get notified when we go live with our update. You'll hear firsthand uh, whose top picks are from James Quantas this morning. And of course, uh, you'll hear straight from the CEOs when we interview them. But enough of me quabbling on here. Let me switch over to Mr. James Quantas and welcome him to the program. James, wonderful. Good morning. How are you doing? Hi, hi, Kai. Good. How are you doing? Uh, I just noticed that my main camera died again. I did that last week as well, and I don't know why. Let me switch cameras real hmm. quick. There we go. Sure. I'm going to be talking to this camera now. It's going to be a little awkward. It's going to be a little weird because I'm not looking directly at you, James. But uh, let's let's do it that way. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm doing great, actually. Thanks for asking. But uh, weather is picking up here in Vancouver, so... Uh, yeah, the sun's shining, but that wind is still pretty cold. Oh, it is actually like I was out at Stanley Park and uh, it was blowing hard. So, but at least the vitamin D gets supplied plenty now. So, let's uh, yeah, let's see what the impact there is. But James, great to have you on the show. It's, you're a first time guest. Uh, as I said, you're the editor and publisher of uh, Resource Opportunities. And uh, why don't you give us a bit of an overview? Like, who are you? And what does Resource Opportunities do? Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kai. So, uh, yeah, I took over Resource Opportunities in uh, 2015. So a bit of background, you know, I come out of, uh, I don't, I'm not a geologist, not an engineer, but I come out of um, uh, journalism. So I was in newspapers for 20 years, the last 10 years at the Vancouver Sun. And um, so I guess how I got onto resource opportunities is, uh, it was kind of like the intersection of uh, um, my interest in the stock market and uh, the intersection of the markets with uh, being in Vancouver, an exploration hub, and uh, just the fascinating characters and um, and stories, and uh, here I am. <laughs> I didn't set out to write write a newsletter, but uh, but uh, that's what I'm doing. So at the Sun, I was a um, you know I did different things, primarily as an editor, but I was a business reporter there and mining writer. And you know for the last for the last about year and a half at the Vancouver Sun, um, I was an editor four days a week. They'd only give me one day a week to uh, to write about mining. And so I had to be pretty selective with uh, who I interviewed. And so I focused, you know, on people who created shareholder value and uh, who got stuff done. Um, and so that was good, actually, preparation for the newsletter. So I took it over in 2015, been doing it for uh, five years now. So it was founded by Lawrence Rolston, who's a geologist. Um, so my, you know, my take is uh, slightly, I have a slightly different uh, perspective or angle, obviously. Um, and I also went to a hybrid business model. So I have a uh, paid uh, newsletter, monthly newsletter, as well as a small number of company sponsors to pay the bills. So I have two sponsors right now. Okay, fantastic. No, thanks for running us through the background there. It's really interesting in Vancouver Sun. Mm -hmm. Like not everybody has a journalistic background who's running actually newsletters. 
So the content quality obviously is quite high. Um, run us through a bit like your learning curve as well. Like uh, as you said, you run into some interesting characters, and mining, of course, is uh, is not just one uh, zeros and ones as well, right? So uh, run us through some of your biggest wins and losers as well. Like that's where you usually learn, and like from the losses usually, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, there's been there's been uh, you know, like you say, wins and losses. I mean, this business there's. Um, you know the the winners compensate for uh, for the losses, but you know it's a it's a speculative um, industry. But you know, like one of the good things about going into a you know a, a bull market is you can you know you can miss out on great stories and and pick up your own uh, great stories. But then it also brings out the hype and promo and some of the more negative aspects of the yeah. of the business. So I guess one of you know an early uh, kind of win was next gen. You know, like uh, Lawrence picked it up, I think, at thirty cents. Uh, when I took over the newsletter, I think it was at 40 or 45 cents. Um, so, you know, so it's trading above five bucks. Looks like a good um, uranium market. Um, you know, I like to find my own uh, ideas and, uh, you know, companies that are under the radar that other people don't cover that are, you know, uh, little known. But you can go too far that way. Um, you know, like Kamenak, for example, is a, a story that I liked. It had all the ingredients and, and you know, whatever. Kind of everybody was already covering it, so you know. Um, so Great Bears, uh, one that I picked up at uh, just under four bucks, I guess, uh, a couple years ago. And again, there I wasn't early. Uh, you know, I wasn't covering it under dollar and so on. But it just uh, at a certain point, you know, things clicked and it really uh, it made sense and resonated uh, with me. So that you know, there's an example of a, a you know a company doing really good. Um, uh, good work like in, a, in what's a weak market for gold you know they spun out the two percent nsr into great bear royalties uh, and that tr started trading last week and had a had a really good week i think it's uh, you know trade above four dollars um and then you know but uh, so those are the so there's sort of the good uh, wins can, can i can i stop losses. you for a question uh, for, for a second sure, like yeah because i find that really interesting the spin out from uh, from from great bear like what did that do to your cost basis have you taken a look at that like, because uh, it was pretty much a, a dividend for you as a as a shareholder then, right? Yeah. So they did it. Uh, so the record date was last year. I can't remember when, but it was a you know one share for every four uh, Great Bear Resources shares. Um, so I think the uh, you know it was dividended out at I don't know pretty nominal uh, amount like uh, like dimes basically, um, uh, and uh, you know trade up up above four dollars. John Robbins was buying it in the market. Um, so it's an example of something that wasn't, you know, most projects have royalties and it's an example of, you know, creating value really where, um, uh, it's not, you know, it's not going to affect the final, sh the final, um, takeover of Great Bear, uh, the mothership, but, uh, you know, I think it's trading at a hundred, more than a hundred million dollar uh, valuation already. You know, some people are critical of Great Bear cause there's no, uh, resource on it yet, but, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great asset. It's going to be. Uh, generational uh, tier one asset yeah. uh, when when things are said and done. So. It sure sounds like a geologist. I've been speaking with are speaking very highly of it and curious to yeah, see that yeah. first resource come out. Obviously, so so and then I cover you know I cover some other uh, companies that are that are um, you know they're less well known and you know patience I find is always the um, the hard part in this in this sector. Right? Oh yeah, it is. It's like because the... things move things move hard, yeah. right? So it's hard to. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's a 24 hour cycle and there's chat boards and, you know, there's like no end of, um, 
there's no end of information and, and a lot of it's noise, right? So it's hard in this environment to, to um, you know, to hold on to something that's not uh, racing along with other things. Yeah, it's good, good, good. So that's where conviction, conviction. Good, good point. From. You said chat rooms. You're obviously quite active also on CO.ca. You're active on Twitter as well, at James Quantas. And uh, like, especially over the last summer, there was so much noise. It's quiet down a little bit. Like, But how do you cut through that noise? Like, what are some of the criteria you're applying to your like selection criteria of course like we heard one is that uh, you you don't like covering companies that being covered widely already right so you're trying to be a bit of a, a u unique in that regard but what are some of the other criteria you're looking at yeah so i try to be an idea generator right and sometimes i'll write about you know the newsletter is primarily what i'm doing with my own money but sometimes i'll you know i'll um throw out an idea that i you know that i don't own or that i don't own yet um you know so so I don't spend, you know, I try not to spend too much time on the um, on the social media because it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a um, it could be a time suck, and um, you know, it takes away from from uh, focus. But just so so, I try to um, you know cover like a smaller number of names. When I took over the newsletter, there's a lot of uh, um, uh, there's a lot of companies being covered, too many to cover properly. So I cut cut that back, which is of course a double edged sword. Um, so it's always fighting the, uh, you know, the instinct to, to uh, you know, introduce new ideas and ramp up uh, um, the coverage. But, you know, the more names you cover, of course, the less high quality the coverage is. And so I just try to focus on, uh, you know, um, just high conviction uh, names for me, big positions and follow those closely. Do you have, do you have a commodity focus? Is gold, silver? You mentioned uranium before. Um, is there something you particularly focus on these days? Uh, no, I like precious metals, copper. Um, I like uh, uranium. I'm, you know, I think, uh, I think we all. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the fundamentals for uranium have been uh, in place. It seems seemingly for years, right? Um, and one of these days, it'll uh, it'll all come together. And it seems like that might be happening now. Um, but I'm I'm kind of agnostic on commodity, and my biggest position is actually a graphene uh, company. So um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah, I think Kamiko mm -hmm. announced uh, on on Friday that they're restarting Cigar Lake. That was shut down because of COVID, not because of supply or uh, demand constraints. I think. So I'm curious to see what that does to the price of uranium. Do you have an opinion on that at all? Um, I don't think it'll have much uh, much of an effect. I think yeah, uranium's going to emerge as a um, you know green energy. Um, a green energy commodity. It's already happening. Like uh, I'm reading Bill Gates's, uh, you know, latest book, and you know he's uh, obviously a controversial uh, character, but he's a you know he's a he's a problem solver and kind of a, takes an engineering uh, mindset. And he he basically came to the conclusion that um, you know you can't tackle climate climate change and greenhouse gas emissions, and especially quickly uh, without uranium and nuclear being in the mix. And he's you know he's investing in um, some of these startups and. And so on. Interesting, yeah, because I've, I've been saying that for years. Because, like, in, in Germany, right, we have, we have nuclear reactors as well. But after Fukushima, mm -hmm. our chancellor pretty much snapped and said, "Okay, we're shutting down all the nuclear reactors," in a more of an overreaction than a proper reaction as well. And I've, I've been personally saying that. Yeah, two years. aren't they going back to? Are they going back to nuclear now in Germany? I don't. We're slow. It's like at least we're extending run times of some. So I'm not sure where we officially stand because it's also an election year. So I'm not sure right. how that fits into the political <laughs> uh, landscape these days, right? How that all fits in. Yeah, yeah. So there's still a lot of, um, you know, the negative, you know, Fukushima and everything else is still obviously uh, 
reputational issues for for uranium and nuclear, but there, you know, there's a certain inevitab inevitability um, to it, in my opinion. No, I was like, I'm personally, I'm a supporter of nuclear, but my only problem is storage of waste. I think that that mm -hmm. needs to be solved. Uh, we key. need more yeah, discussions yeah. on that, in my opinion, and that's being mm -hmm. so far been very quiet, which is a bit disappointing. There are solutions like yeah. storing it in salt caves, I think, but I'm not sure if that's the ideal 100% best solution as well. So I think that's what yeah, some more money yeah. needs to go into research and uh, maybe development as well, right? So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's obviously the big uh, concern. Like at, at uh, Arrow, I think the plan is to store it uh, very securely underground. I think that that's mm -hmm. pretty much the only solution I've heard so far is really storing it like in salt caves or underground when, with dense rock, right? Mm -hmm. So it can't radiate. And uh, yeah. let's talk about more gold precious metals as well. Like how, how are you feeling the junior mining sentiment in general? Like how are you seeing things? Like I live in my own Twitter echo chamber, so I always appreciate having guests on, uh, maybe looking looking in from the outside. like. How's sentiment for you? How are you feeling it right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think, I don't know, I, I um, you know, I think gold, gold and precious metals investors should be asking themselves, like, why is, um, you know, given what's happening, the money printing, uh, the debt levels worldwide, like, why is gold only at, you know, 17, 1750 US an ounce, right? It seems like it should be higher, and I think it'll get there. Um, you know, so I think Bitcoin obviously is uh, taking obviously a lot of the attention. Uh, uh, as far as a trade, it's you know it's kicked uh, uh, gold's butt, but I, I, you know I think there's room for both. Um, and you know I'm actually looking forward to this. Uh, Frank Justra and Michael Saylor, the Bitcoin evangelist, are going to have a, a bit of a debate coming up. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. You know, I, I think there's room for both, right? I, I think so as well. Like I'm not I'm not against Bitcoin at all. I don't own any, but I can see its uh, validity in it and it's just uh it's just the next step in evolution of everything's going digital um why not currency to a degree like if you want to yeah, think about that it's uh, hard um, if i have a hard time with the whole concept of digital currencies like i'm not saying i'm a conspiracy theorist but it's still a concept i'm wrapping my head around and it starts with bitcoin it ends yeah so my so my kai and i don't own any bitcoin uh but i do have exposure through a couple uh you know kind of minor investments but um you know it's i think it's all about scarce assets right uh, which Bitcoin is, which gold and the metals obviously are. And I think there's going to be, uh, you know, tremendous uh, demand, you know, for that, for precious metals, but also for the, um, you know, the economy uh, metals, for example, copper. And, uh, you know, any, any scarce, any hard asset in this environment, I think will do uh, really well. But, you know, the juniors are always the last uh, to move. And in this market, like I'm seeing, um, you know, there's still some amazing, uh, uh, value. <laughs> One of the tricky things about investing in the sector is, uh, you know, sometimes like the pigs uh, fly and the companies that are great, like fundamentally uh, very sound, run by like a top team, uh, ticks all the boxes and those things are uh, cheap. <laughs> and you're like, what's what's going on here? And I'm going to throw an example out. Uh, Talisca Resources uh, is an example of that, in my opinion. You know, they just raised four, uh, 15 million from New Gold. Um, and once that closes, they'll have, I think their market, their, uh, with their shares out, their market cap will be about, uh, 80 million or so. So 40 million, and that's cash. Um, they've got the Braylorn high grade gold project that they're drilling. I think they're going to eight drills this year. Um, but you know, they picked up Braylorn after, uh, they staked, uh, much of the Spencer's bridge gold belt. Um, so I don't think they're getting any value. Uh, and I think they're going to make some, uh, 
some discoveries there. You know, they've been tackling that with uh, like science-based grassroots uh, exploration, big teams, uh, geologists, and they sort of narrowed it down to some projects that they like. Um, and then they've also got a 30% stake in TDG Gold, which has a project that um, that they sold to them uh, up in northern northern BC, which is worth about seven or eight million bucks. There's a lot a lot under the hood, and uh, it's just but the stock's just dead. Yes, and has been for a while. So that's an example of that patience and conviction. Yeah. By, uh, by the way, full disclaimer: I'm a shareholder personally, so of Talisker, mm -hmm. I own some of those shares. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same thing. No, it's uh, and we've been on a side visit there together. It is really interesting and in how it all works, and the market just does not pay attention. Like, so, so mm -hmm. why don't, why don't, let's, let's spend a second on it. Why, why do you think that is actually? Like, let's expand on that for a few seconds here. Sure, on Talisker yeah. specifically. Yeah. See, like, if you can I think uncover like a rare gem there, like, and I mean, like, there are certain like factors that go into that, right? Like, why is the market ignoring it? Oh yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, there's there's uh, skepticism because Braylorn, you know, it produced like four, over 4 million ounces at like 16 grams per ton. Uh, it's narrow, it's narrow vein uh, mining. So, you know, that some people are, think it's, some people just like, uh, you know, 30, 40 grams over, over 0.9 meters, like, is that, is that mineable? But at Braylorn, like the veins are very continuous. So, you know, I think the narrow vein, um, but there's all you know they're finding gold in the wall rock there, uh, which will help with the dilution. And he's and they're sort of guiding to. They've talked about uh, the the maiden resource at Braylorn being so, somewhere in the neighborhood of nine grams per ton, nine nine and a half grams per ton, which is very impressive. But they're also uh, you know they're discovering new mineralization there, uh, like they've got the Charlotte zone, which is nearer surface and potentially bulk tonnage a lower grade. Um, so I think it's a combination of um, of that. Um, you know, Talisker, th that team sort of found uh, much, many of Osisco's uh, ounces, you know, at Windfall and then at Barkerville. And the Barkerville gold, uh, you know, got taken out by Cisco and it wasn't a great, you know, it was a takeover during a bear uh, market. So I think, you know, people wonder about, you know, Cisco has a share position. Um, but so I think bringing new gold in is great. Um, you know, they're obviously uh, operating New Afton in the neighborhood. Um, you know, there's a lot of shares out, right? Talisker has, uh, I think they'll have about 250 million shares out uh, when this financing closes. So a lot of people will look at that and, and think. I've seen worse. Bloated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, uh, so those are some of that. And I, and I feel like uh, for what their team has done, uh, I, I, I do feel like they're not uh, that well known like in, in retail. Yeah. Uh, Terry Harbord and the, and the, um, yeah. and the guys there. Roombadia, the whole team behind it, yeah. As you said, they were Cisco's technical team for the longest time until they started uh, running their own company, like which is Talisker. Yeah, so. an Anglo-American before that. So you know, so so Talisker. I think, you know, Terry's sort of his. Um, you know, he's made a lot of money for other people. Yeah, and uh, for other companies, and this is their this is their deal, right? Exactly. I think they found but over think, forty million ounces of gold. I think. Yeah, like forty-seven. Oh, I think exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, so big deposits down in Colombia. Yeah. So, so we talked about a lot of Talisker, obviously. So you like people, you like the assets, geology seems, seems to be sound. And it's, of course, an undiscovered stock really by the main markets. What, what other topics are you suggesting to your writer, uh, readers right now? Well, um, so I, I, I uh, you know, I, I, cover, I, don't talk, I don't talk too much about macro. I don't feel like I add, uh, you know, too much value. I sort of focus on... Um, you know, I focus on uh, try to identifying, like I said, under the radar companies and price, obviously. 
uh, is important and one of the one of the things you can control as an investor. Um, you know, so another company that covers uh, Nano Explorer, which is the graphene play, um, kind of out of the box, but I sort of uh, found out about it through a graphite company uh, that you know that hasn't sort of worked out. And uh, so it's my largest position. Um, it's run by a guy, Sarush Nazarpour, who, who founded the company. And, and uh, it's, 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 graphene's multifunctional. And there's, and again, here it's difficult because they're operating in a space where, you know, there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of fluffy uh, promo uh, plays and a lot of companies that focus almost solely on, uh, on the marketing uh, side. And um, so talking about the stock channels, like, you know, some of the, some of the, the channels uh, of some of these other uh, plays that don't really have much as far as fundamentals are, are, you know, they're busy. There's like dozens of, dozens of guys in there posting, you know, like uh, breathless uh, Elon Musk references and Tesla and stuff like this. So uh, this company, Nano Explorer, uh, which is GRA, you know, they've actually, they're selling graphene uh, enhanced brake lines to Tesla. Um, so, and on, on the EV side, you know, uh, range obviously is, very, is one of the big uh, issues and knocks against uh, EVs. So, uh, look, Nano Explorer is like a bigger uh, business with other divisions, but on EVs specifically. So they're doing the lightweighting. So they own composite uh, businesses that are, um, uh, basically graphene infused. So they're selling to Volvo, Daimler, uh, Picard, which runs uh, uh, Kenworth and Peterbilt and so on. But they're also working on battery technology. Um, so graphene, you know, silicone, graph uh, anodes are, are primarily graphite, uh, but silicon sort of has um, better um, chargeability and better, it's a better material, but it's, it's kind of unstable. And so graphene can have a role in uh, silicone anodes, which I think is where things are going. So I, I, I just pulled up the company for our viewers as well. Mm -hmm. So I, that's what I've just been doing a couple of, for the last few seconds. Is I pulled the company up. So you're actually up. Let's look at the chart real quick. Actually, you're you're actually so up quite a bit. Year. Like the chart looks fantastic. Yeah, uh, look at the one year chart. But then you know, so that you know that looks pretty good. And one of the catalysts there in the fall was. Um, uh, battery day, some of the things Elon Musk was talking about uh, are things that Nano Explorer has been working on, you know, for years, like the silicone anodes, for example. Um, so with that, again, patience and conviction, right? Like the one year chart looks good, but now pull up the three year chart on that one. All right, let me scroll up. Where we go? Technical charts, three years. All right. And, you know, that stock was uh, flatlined. Oh, and it was a flat line while the company was like progressing, uh, adding value. Like the business, there was such a discrepancy between the business uh, and the stock, right? <laughs> and so you, you know, you almost like, like, is this thing ever going to move, right? Looks like um, there was a bit know, of a so false start in early 2020, and then it went back to pretty much flatlining. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, so it traded for a long time between a buck twenty and a buck, say, buck fifty, buck sixty. Yeah. Spent about, you know. Three years. So, but I went to um, after PDAC actually last year. I went to uh, took the train to Montreal and visited the plant there. Uh, so they've they've got a graphene plant. It's actually the biggest in the world. Um, so that's an example again of of uh, you know the necessity of conviction, right? Like uh, Nano Explorer used to be my largest position, and then I you know I sort of trimmed along the way to uh, add to other things. But it, but it's once again my. Um, my largest, uh, you know, position, a lot of conviction on that name, that name. Interesting. Anything else in the gold silver space you're looking at as well? You said Nano Explorer, the biggest position. We talked about Next Gen Talisker. Give us one last name, maybe a silver company. Anybody you're following there? 
Uh, well, yeah. So there's a, co- a company called uh, Ridgeline Minerals. Uh, so it's Chad Peters. I think you've had him yeah. on, right? Yeah, he's been a guest a couple times. Uh, Great yeah. Guy. Yeah. So we were, we were, you know, he was, he was with Premier Gold for a while and uh, moved down to Nevada to run their operations there while he was with them. Um, you know, so so I was talking to somebody and and, and uh, they mentioned like, hey, there's this guy Chad Peters. He's starting a company. You should, you know, sort of up and comer. And so we connected. And so I got you know some some of my subscribers in while it was still a private company. Um, and so they have a silver project called Selena, which is high grade and uh, and like pretty good widths um, down in the South Carlin trend. So they went looking for gold and they found you know this high grade silver. So I think that's uh, shaping up to be you know like an open pit silver oxide with gold gold credits story but then they also have two uh, really good projects uh, near gold strike and then also swift which is in the cortez cortez hills so it's a young, you know he's a young guy um he's doing things right and i like backing uh, guys like that no that makes a lot of sense so roller coaster right there you got to have a good stomach for a stock like that it looks yeah, like looking at the with, chart i, I have yeah, it up exactly. on the screen here for our viewers as yeah, well yeah. and uh, you need to have a good yeah. stomach for that one yeah it looks uh you know, things are shaping up like the, the, the trend the last few months is a lot better than uh, than the last half year. It's been a been a bit of a rocky uh, start. He started out in the bear market, too. Yeah, it's like I remember I think the first conversation I had with him was in uh, January 2019. So it's taken a while to, to raise the money as well. I think it's just in, in, in 2019, like the market didn't care like about anything mm-hmm. about like it, yeah. it was brutal. Like I remember that he was just trying to yeah. raise a bit of money and to. Uh, he had to push it out and push it out. And then I think they finally raised the first money and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe in April instead of January or so. It's taking a long, long time. So Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, getting some good action there. Okay. And- but again, so I'm looking for, yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, names that I can build a high level conviction on. And um, yeah, you got to put your face and, to it. Uh, yeah. You might have to wait wait for it exactly. to move, right? Like if they're doing the right things, good things, with, good things come with time, right? Isn't that the saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great, uh, James. Give us a bit, like, sort of, to wrap this up as well. Like, what do you expect the next three six months? Like, how convinced are you that we're actually moving in a positive direction? Are we going to, like, and I don't want you to comment on the gold price or anything, but like, what's your feeling like for the overall junior mining market um, for the next three six months? Like, how, how positive are you? I'm pretty. I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, uh, you know, mind you, there's been it's been a it's been a grind. <laughs> Uh, you know, the first half of 2016 aside, it's been a uh, it's been a grind. So it's hard to get too optimistic about this uh, about this sector. But then again, I think you know when you're feeling like that, uh, you know the turn is probably near. Um, so I think I do think we are moving into uh, into that that kind of environment where you know finally some of these high quality juniors will will move and move hard, and uh, you know a lot of the crap will move hard too. But that's the way exactly. it goes. So you got to be able to to sh- what weed it out, right? And uh, weed the ah, mm-hmm. fantastic, James. It was great talking to you. Great catching up. It's been long overdue having you on the program, and uh, can't wait to see you actually downtown Vancouver again. Like it's been it's been tough. The last time we saw each other was last summer. So yeah, yeah, or another uh, another. I'm, I'm down for that. Count me in. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's on. great. I, I forget to ask. Where can we find more about you? Like uh, resourceopportunities.com is the, the the domain, correct? Yeah, that's my website. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter as uh, James Quantus, and also the business account there, and then uh, CEO.ca as well. Yeah, so reach out. 
Exactly. You're very accessible. So I really appreciate that. Thanks for being available. Thanks for coming on. It was great chatting with you this morning and uh, everybody else. Thanks for tuning in. This was great. Uh, I hope you you learned something. He shared some of his top picks with us and uh, we we shared some charts with you as well. So make sure to follow up on that. And if you have any questions, of course, feel free to reach out to James or myself. It'd be fantastic. Also, don't forget to follow us uh, here on YouTube and on Twitter, of course. Don't forget to turn on the bell notification as well. We do all our interviews live. That way you do have an advantage. And uh, I think it can be quite a bit of an advantage if we talk to CEOs and you learn something that you haven't heard before that makes it that does make a difference and uh, of course be reminded sf online is happening this coming wednesday uh, april 14th starting at 6 a.m pacific 9 a.m eastern or 3 p.m european central time so make sure to uh, tune in for that sorafinancial.com events nine fantastic companies two great keynote speakers lynn alden and tavi costa so make sure to use that as your opportunity to get some inside information and uh, inside information into the macroeconomic environment of course uh, what does monetary uh, supply growth do for us and what do the inflation rates do to the gold price thanks for tuning in we'll be back at uh, 4 p.m today with an interview with an australian company los Ceros. so make sure to tune in for that as well 